It's 1964. Judo and karate dominate the martial arts world. But in Long Beach, California, martial artists witness a Chinese man demonstrate an unfamiliar martial art known as Wing Chun. The demonstrator did impressive physical feats, including two-finger, one-handed push-ups. But he got an assistant, held his fist one inch from the assistant's chest, then punched the assistant, who fell back and over his chair. The demonstrator was Bruce Lee. And this is Legends from the Pacific. Aloha, and thank you for joining us. This is Legends from the Pacific, Episode 60, Understanding the Dragon, Bruce Lee. I am Kamawala Kaneshiro, a native Hawaiian professional writer, speaker, and Comic-Con panelist with extensive film and television experience. I study mythology, I've encountered unusual things, and I'm a geek. You can support us by getting two or three of your friends to listen to our show. This simple request goes a long way in helping us grow our show. This is the last week for our book's Kickstarter campaign, so back it today. Later in this episode, your featured song, Hawaiian Word, and Was Bruce Lee Cursed? Keep listening to find out. I just wanted to mention, while incidents of racism is mentioned in this episode, it isn't meant as a pity party or blame game, but to bring awareness. So Bruce Lee wraps up our historical focused episodes, which we normally do during May. In this episode, we're going to be trying to separate the myths from Bruce Lee's lore, including the falsities of the film Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. First off, the proper pronunciation of Kung Fu is Kung Fu with a G instead of a K. I've studied the martial arts of fencing, Aikido, Tai Chi, and the various Shaolin Kung Fu styles of Wushu, Denmark, Hangar, and even Bruce Lee's Jit Kune Do. I'm also part Chinese, which is one of my mixed ethnicities that reflect the cultures that immigrated to Hawaii. So growing up, I was aware of Bruce Lee, but like I'm sure many of us, I did not understand how Bruce Lee contributed to cultural acceptance. Bruce's mother was an Asian of European descent. His father was a famous Chinese film actor and opera singer who was performing in San Francisco's Chinatown district when Bruce was born. Bruce Lee was born in 1940, during the year and hour of the dragon. That being said, his family referred to him by a female name that translated to Little Phoenix to protect him from evil spirits targeting males. When Bruce was a few months old, his family returned to Hong Kong. Possibly the earliest account of him being called Dragon was from his stage name, Little Dragon, thanks to his father, 
Bruce Lee was a successful child actor. Bruce's family was well off. He had two brothers and two sisters, which surprises most people who believed he was an only child from an impoverished family. Bruce always got into fights, so it was decided he'd take the Shaolin Kung Fu style of Wing Chun. Bruce was taught by the Grand Master Yip Man. That's Y-I-P Man, though he's sometimes referred to as Ip Man without the Y. Conflicting accounts makes it difficult to understand if Bruce was an exceptional student or just average. But Bruce found difficulty training because his mother was from Europe. You see, Chinese only taught pure Chinese from China. So it is believed fellow students refused to partner with Bruce, so Yip Man would commonly train with Bruce. This issue of race would challenge Bruce throughout his life. Now, Chinese martial arts schools considered their discipline the best, so rivals formed among the schools. Bruce became a skilled martial artist as well as an award-winning cha-cha dancer. Bet you didn't know that. When he was around 18 years old, the fighting became so bad his parents decided to send him to live with relatives in California. But Bruce didn't know how bad racism against Chinese was in America. Okay, let's examine the 1958 America Bruce is facing. Japanese still remember living in concentration camps, which were called relocation camps. Back in the 1800s, Boatloads of Chinese immigrants were being shipped in to finish America's railroad. This upset Irish workers who'd commonly fight Chinese. The lucky Chinese who worked the railroad were paid a measly amount. They were lucky because there's reports it was cheaper to kill Chinese workers instead of paying them. Aside from this, Chinese workers, especially Chinese men, were given the stereotype of being submissive and emasculated. Once the railroad was completed, America tried getting rid of the Chinese immigrants by enacting the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act, which was the first, and as of this recording, the only law to prevent all members of a specific ethnicity or national group from immigrating into the United States. The Chinese Exclusion Act was repelled in 1943. Fifteen years later, Bruce Lee arrived in California. Bruce struggled making a living, then moved to Seattle, where he studied philosophy at the University of Washington, but did not graduate. Bruce discovered many were unaware of Wing Chun, they were only familiar with judo or karate. This could be because it was forbidden to teach Chinese martial arts to non-Chinese, but Bruce would teach anyone willing to learn, and he found a way to earn a living. It should be noted, many martial arts practitioners don't consider Bruce a master since he left Hong Kong before completing his training, and while Bruce might have practiced daily, he had less than 10 years of studying his craft. What Bruce leaned into was the speed and physicality of youth. 
Through teaching Wing Chun, Bruce met Linda, who was a student of his, and they got married. Linda faced harsh criticism from her family, since at the time a lot of America disapproved of interracial marriages. Bruce attended the inaugural 1964 Long Beach International Karate Championship, which was stated in our opening story. Shortly after this, Bruce was brought in for a screen test in Hollywood, where he impressed producers with moves so fast the camera barely picked them up. Hollywood wanted to display Bruce's abilities, and the producers of the Adam West Batman TV show wanted to make a spin-off series. The Green Hornet. So they offered Bruce the role of Kato, the Green Hornet's chauffeur and sidekick. While Bruce's martial arts abilities were spotlit, he barely got speaking roles and was paid up to five times less than the show's other leads. But Bruce was one of the first cases where a Chinese man played a Chinese role. You see. It was common for Hollywood to cast Caucasians to play Asian parts, particularly Chinese. Can you imagine John Wayne playing Genghis Khan? Well, that happened in the 1956 film *The Conqueror*. As an aside, there's an amusing Green Hornet story. There was build-up for a Batman and Green Hornet crossover episode. Kato was going to fight Robin. But Robin was going to win. The actor playing Robin, Burt Ward, who was a friend of Bruce, refused to do the scene because Burt knew there was no way Robin could beat Cato. Burt dreaded doing the scene, and the powers that be decided the fight would end in a draw. But no one told Burt. On the day of shooting. Bruce acted like he was enraged. Robin was going to beat him. Action was called. Bruce went towards Bert, and Bert ran away, saying it was only a TV show. Bruce chased Bert till the martial artist started laughing, and he couldn't keep a straight face. But the Green Hornet was canceled. Bruce got small roles, worked as a stunt coordinator, and continued teaching. But never played the stereotypical demeaning Chinese roles. Okay, now this is possibly one of the most mysterious parts of Bruce Lee's life, which many feel was one of the greatest martial arts fights in history. Around this time, San Francisco was a mecca for martial arts, and Bruce Lee had a school in the area. It's unclear if Bruce was challenged or he declared an ultimatum, but he fought against martial artist Wong Jackman. Records claim Wong Jackman wanted the fight to be public, but Bruce requested it be private. So they fought with only a few people for witnesses. The result is unclear. Bruce's wife Linda claimed Bruce won in five minutes. But there's more evidence stating the fight ended in a draw, and unlike the film *Dragon: The Bruce Lee Story*, Wong Jackman did not break Bruce Lee's back. After the fight, Bruce admitted his Wing Chun fighting style was not practical, studied various fighting techniques, 
and developed Jeet Kune Do, or the way of the intercepting fists. So, how did Bruce Lee break his back? Well, it wasn't really a break, but more of an accidental self-inflicted injury from improper weightlifting. Doctors did state he'd never do martial arts or kick again, and if he did walk, it would probably be with a limp. But Bruce recovered and fine-tuned his style of Jit Kune Do. Bruce stressed that Jit Kune Do was a formless and simplistic style of fighting and felt film and TV was the medium to spread his martial art and philosophy. Bruce met with Warner Brothers for a project that combined his philosophy and martial arts. But the studio passed on casting him in the lead role because they felt audiences would have a difficult time with his accent and America was not ready for a Chinese man in a lead role. The studio hired David Carradine, a Caucasian, to play the Chinese lead, and the series was Kung Fu. That's with a K instead of a G. So yeah, they went back to casting a Caucasian to play a Chinese character. Okay, I'd like to state there's material that claimed the studio created Kung Fu and only called Bruce Lee in for a reading. That being said, Kung Fu's pebble scene, where the master snatches the pebble from the student's hand, apparently was something Bruce Lee did in real life using a penny. Also, the show Warrior claims to be inspired by the writings of Bruce Lee and is about a martial artist living in America during the construction of the railroad. Frustrated with Hollywood, Bruce moved back to Hong Kong with his wife and their son Brandon and daughter Shannon. In Hong Kong, Linda was now the minority, and Bruce teamed up with Raymond Chow to make the movie Big Boss. Big Boss opened in Hong Kong to moviegoers familiar with Bruce Lee as Kato from The Green Hornet, though Hong Kong fans referred to it as The Kato Show. The Big Boss was a huge success, but Hong Kong's fame and attention affected the privacy of Bruce and his family. Bruce made three more films over two years. The Way of the Dragon was next, where Bruce Lee fought against Chuck Norris. Their fight is considered one of the best in cinema. Game of Death followed with Bruce Lee fighting his real-life student, basketball legend Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Then, Bruce's Hollywood contacts stated they wanted to make a film in Hong Kong and began Enter the Dragon. The studio's involvement put more pressure on Bruce, who saw this as his ticket back to Hollywood. But Bruce fought for more of his philosophy to be in the film, which was incorporated into the film's beginning. Another issue during filming was the Hong Kong and Hollywood crews were encountering friction. Bruce Lee's wife, Linda, became a vital component with getting the film done because she spoke English, Chinese, and knew how to handle Bruce. Many credit her as the reason why Enter the Dragon was completed. As a side note, I always feel she was a vital part in Bruce Lee's life, who was often overlooked. Enter the Dragon needed a lot of extras, so producers hired as many martial artists as they could. 
However, the martial artists were from different schools who wanted to duel with Bruce. This frustrated the film executives who just wanted to finish the film instead of waiting for some duel which might injure Bruce. As filming ended, Bruce complained about a headache and experienced seizures. Doctors identified the cause as cerebroedema, a condition where excessive fluid causes brain swelling and pain. Bruce was treated and after a period of rest, returned to his workout regimen. Bruce complained about headaches, but insisted he was fine. A couple of months later, he met with Raymond Chow about their next movie and acted out some action sequences in the hot summer day. Bruce then went to the apartment of a Taiwanese actress who later confirmed she was his mistress. Bruce had a headache and she gave him some equigensic, which is a combination of aspirin and a mild tranquilizer. Bruce went to sleep and died. He was 32 years old. Equigensic is discontinued, but generic versions are still around. Mystery still surrounds his death because many could not understand how someone as healthy as Bruce Lee could suddenly die. At the time of his death, there were initial speculations that he died from a drug overdose. Because while Bruce did not drink, he did indulge in marijuana and hashish. But these were not factors in Bruce Lee's death, which an autopsy revealed was caused by an allergic reaction to the equigensic. However, modern doctors speculated another detail might have contributed to Bruce's death. You see, Bruce surgically removed his sweat glands. This wasn't for medical issues, but purely for cosmetic reasons. Sweat glands prevent our bodies from overheating, so it's theorized he overheated while demonstrating the fight sequence with Raymond Chow. That led to hypertension and heat exertion, which contributed to his death. The people of Hong Kong came out in droves for Bruce Lee's funeral, which is one of the reasons why his wife Linda decided for Bruce to be buried in Seattle, because it was one of the places he found peace. Within a year after Bruce Lee's death, Enter the Dragon premiered in L.A. The film was a success. America accepted a movie starring a Chinese lead, and Bruce Lee became a household name. Bruce Lee's son, Brandon Lee, followed in his father's footsteps to become an actor, like Bruce Lee did with his father before him. But Brandon died at 28 from a firearms accident during his debut movie, The Crow. This caused very strict safety measures to be implemented within the film industry. Brandon was laid to rest in his mother's plot beside his father, Bruce, at Seattle's Lakeview Cemetery. Both gravesites remain popular spots for fans. Today, martial arts owe a lot to Bruce Lee for elevating the sport in America. Various athletes and mixed martial artists credit Bruce Lee for mixing styles and forms. Martial arts actors like Jackie Chan, Stephen Chow, and others who worked with Bruce Lee as stunt doubles would not be where they are today if it wasn't for Bruce. The TV series Warrior, which was inspired by the writings of Bruce Lee, 
had two seasons on Cinemax. And while it looked like Warrior was going to be canceled, as of this recording, a third season will be produced and distributed through HBO Max. People like myself continue learning Bruce Lee's Jit Kune Do. Fans of the anime series Cowboy Bebop may know that Spike's martial art is Jit Kune Do. I recommend taking a look at Bruce Lee's book, The Tao of Jit Kune Do. An affiliate link can be found on our website at legendsfromthepacific.com. Speaking of books, Bruce Lee had a library of over 20,000 books, and he read all of them. An amazing feat, since most people maybe read one book a year. But things might have been different if he had Netflix. On the subject of Netflix, Bruce Lee's Wing Chun teacher, Grandmaster Yip Man, has become a popular character that's seen in many films and TV shows. While Bruce Lee increased cultural acceptance of Chinese in film roles, unequal pay for Asians is sadly something we still see today, when actor Daniel Day Kim attempted to lessen the pay gap between him and his Caucasian co-stars. I worked with Daniel Day Kim on Lost. He's a cool guy. Several years ago, we saw each other in Kaimaki and briefly caught up. So, was there a curse that killed Bruce Lee and his son? I feel we'd like to believe there needs to be something to explain the shock of losing someone like Bruce Lee and his son at such a young age, even though they were tragedies of accidents. Bruce Lee used martial arts in movies to further his philosophy and share the beauty of Chinese culture. He bridged Eastern and Western cultures and helped alleviate some racism in both countries, even though they considered him an outsider. It is said he urged others not to accept the stereotypes others cast upon you but find out what's worthwhile about yourself and express it. On the subject of race, Bruce Lee was asked how he thinks of himself. He stated, I want to think of myself as a human being, because under the heavens, under the sky, there is but one family. It just so happens that people are different. If you like what you heard, Please give us a rating, write a review, subscribe, follow us, and share Legends from the Pacific with your friends and family. I'd really appreciate it. Please consider supporting our show by becoming a Legends from the Pacific Patreon supporter. Our Patreon supporters enjoy exclusive brand new monthly episodes and other nifty benefits. So become a Legends from the Pacific Patreon supporter today. Also, don't forget to claim your free, unaired bonus episode, Hawaii's Faceless Ghost, Mujina, by joining our email list. Our theme song is Mystery by Tavana, courtesy of High Sessions. Sound effects are by Sound Effects Factory. Our music coordinator is Matt Duffy, a.k.a. DJ Triple Bypass. Links and show notes can be found on our website, legendsfromthepacific.com, including a link to your featured song, which is Father to Son by Kavika Kahiapo, courtesy of High Sessions. Legends from the Pacific was written, produced, and edited by me, Kamuela Kaneshiro. I also wrote our original stories. 
Your featured Hawaiian word is Akea Kamai. Akea Kamai means philosophy. An example of Akea Kamai is you'll learn the teachings of Socrates by studying Akea Kamai. Once again, Akea Kamai is Hawaiian for philosophy. Thank you once again for listening. Mahalo and ahui ho. My son, I wanna be your friend.